Good morning. How are you doing this morning? Very good? Okay. Um, it is a great privilege and honor to be here, to be invited to speak for you and also share the word of God and God's gospel and the glory of God and his grace. Okay, uh, today's speech is entitled God's Eternal Vision. God's Eternal Vision. Uh, today's scripture is from Hebrews 2, 10 through 13. I have NIV version. Let me read the passage. In bringing many sons and daughters to glory, it was fitting that God for whom and through whom everything exists should make the pioneer of their salvation perfect through what he suffered. Both the one who makes people holy and those who are made holy are of the same family. So Jesus is not ashamed to call them brothers and sisters. He says, quote, I will declare your name to my brothers and sisters. In the assembly, I will sing your praises, unquote. And again, quote, I will put my trust in him, unquote. And again, he says, here am I and the children God has given me. Nowadays, many companies, organizations, parachurches, and uh, even individuals, they tend to have their own vision statement or their, their own mission statement. For the past five years, I have been serving on the global board of a parachurch organization. Uh, it's Marked Man for Christ. Anybody has heard Marked Man for Christ? Yeah, Marked Man for Christ is a parachurch ministry focusing on raising strong men for Christ. Isn't it good, right? So I have been serving on the global board for, for the past five years of that ministry. That ministry requires each one of us of our board uh, members should have their own vision statement or mission statement. So I have my own mission statement. As a marked man for Christ, I co-create the world of love, peace, generosity, and justice by preaching the word of God, teaching the gospel of grace, and mentoring many people, and uh, practicing generosity through the power and wisdom of the Holy Spirit. That's my mission statement. That's my vision statement. <laughs> do you want me to do that? Okay. As a marked man for Christ, I co-create the world of love, peace, justice, and generosity by preaching the word of God and teaching the gospel of grace and mentoring many people and practicing generosity with the power and wisdom of the Holy Spirit. Amen? Yeah. So, you know, vision statements and mission statements explain their purposes, intentions, and goals, and identities and directions. So my life, my life is focused on 
co-creating, co-creating the world of love, peace, generosity, and justice by preaching the gospel, the word of God, and teaching the gospel of Jesus Christ with the power of, power of the Holy Spirit. How about you? Do you have your own mission statement? Do you have your own vision statement? Interestingly, today's passage, especially Hebrews chapter 2, 10, talks about God's eternal vision. So we may ask, what is he up to? What is God up to? What is he doing by creating, by pro, through providence, through redemption, and through bringing people to Christ? What is God up to now? What is he doing? What is his vision? So according to Hebrews 2.10, I want to focus on this one verse today. God's eternal vision is in bringing, is bringing many sons and daughters to glory. This is God's eternal vision. Have you known that? So according to Hebrews 2.10, in bringing many sons and daughters to glory, it was fitting that God for whom and through whom everything exists, which means God created everything and God does his work of providence for everything, should make the pioneer of their salvation perfect through what he suffered. So we have the story of God we have the history of God here from creation to consummation in the Reformed tradition. I'm proud of, of me being a Reformed theologian. In the Reformed tradition, we have, had talk, no, talk, we have talked about uh, three stages of human history, creation, fall, and redemption. But nowadays, many evangelical theologians, including me, we talk about four stages of human history. Creation, fall, redemption, and consummation. Then what is it doing? What is God doing through creation and through permitting the fall, through redemption in Jesus Christ, and through consummation of history? What is he up to? What is he doing? Simply speaking, according to Hebrews chapter 2, verse 10, God is bringing many sons and daughters to glory. And then in the process of fulfilling his vision, God sent his own son, Jesus Christ, to be our pioneer, to be the pioneer of our salvation, to be the redeemer God, man, to be the mediator between God and, and sinners. And he suffered. And he died on the cross. And he was resurrected. And he, he ascended into heaven. And he is seated at the right hand of the Father. And he is preparing for his second coming. Amen to that? So Hebrew chapter 2, 10, even though this 
this verse, actually especially the first part of this passage, this verse is short, very short. But this short statement teaches us what is God's eternal vision, which is bringing many sons and daughters to glory. So God's eternal plan, intention, and purpose is about bringing many sons and daughters to glory. It means that before the foundation of the universe, the triune God planned to have many sons and daughters and share his glory with them. This is a wonderful message. This is a majestic message. God planned to share his infinite glory with his daughters and sons even before the foundation of the universe. It is hard to talk about, you know, God's eternal plan in many probably Armenian churches. But I believe this is a reformed church, so I, I feel free to talk about God's eternal plan here. So Ephesians chapter 1, uh, verse through, uh, verses 3 through 6, I think you are familiar to that passage. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ, verse 4, for he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love, he predestined us for adoption to sonship or daughtership through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will to the praise of his glorious grace which he has freely given us in the one he loves. According to Ephesians chapter 1, God chose us and God predestined each one of us to be adopted, to be his daughters and sons in the Lord Jesus Christ and then God planned to share his infinite glory with all of us. What a wonderful message. This is the gospel. This is about God's eternal vision. What is he up to? He is bringing many sons and daughters to glory. In the process of fulfilling God's eternal vision, Jesus Christ, the second person of the Trinity, had to become a man, had to suffer, and he died on the cross and he was resurrected. We know that. So according to the, you know, the, the, the second half of Hebrews chapter 2.10, it was fitting that God for whom and through whom everything exists should make the pioneer of their salvation perfect through what he suffered. This does not mean Jesus was imperfect before he suffered. No. This means Jesus was the perfect son of God, but he came to the world as a, as a man and then he suffered and died for us 
Therefore, he became perfect as the redeemer of sinners. So who are we here? Why are, are we here together? Why, why do we worship here together the Lord God and Jesus Christ? Because we are redeemed through the suffering and death of our Lord Jesus Christ to share God's wonderful glory. And then we are all ready God's sons and daughters in Christ. Have you realized, have you realized that you are, you are fantastic children of God. God wanted to share his majestic glory with us before the foundation of the universe. And according to that plan, he sent to Jesus Christ. And then through the messengers and through the preachers and teachers of the gospel, they, uh, God called each one of us to to convert to Christ, to accept the Lord Jesus into our hearts. So everyone, anybody who receives Jesus Christ as his or her Lord and Savior, he or she becomes God's children. What is the privilege of God's children? Sharing God's glory. So here, you know, uh, we call the whole history, the four phases of the entire history, creation, the fall, and redemption, and consummation. We call it redemptive history or the history of redemption. And then, you know, here the, the history of redemption or redemptive history uh, gives us some, some meaning some significance of human history. First of all, human history is the history of the expansion of the kingdom of God. Human history, especially history after the Lord's coming and then until, until the Lord's second coming, until the parousia, human history is the process of expanding God's kingdom. So we pray, what? Thy kingdom come, right? So according to Mark 4, 30, uh, 2, 32, what sh and he said, Jesus said, what shall we say the kingdom of God is like? Or what parable shall we use to describe it? It is, a, it is like a mustard seed, which is the smallest of all seeds on earth, Yet when planted, it grows and becomes the largest of all garden plants with such big branches that the birds can perch in its shade. The parable of the mustard seed, right? The history, the human history 
will be the history of the expansion of the kingdom of God from the mustard seed to a huge plant. Small beginning, but will grow into a gigantic kingdom. The Lord Jesus invites us, each one of us, to participate in the expansion of the kingdom. So I think we need to, we need to have our own vision statement or mission statement in accordance with God's own vision. So what should we do? We should participate in the expansion of the kingdom. Through the process of the expansion of the kingdom, God will or is bringing many sons and daughters to glory. The Lord Jesus, he, had, he, he gave us the great commission, according to Matthew 28, 18 through 20. Go and make disciples of all nations. The great commission was given originally to the disciples, but it was given to us as well through the, the apostles. Jesus commanded us to go and make disciples of all nations. Why? Because he wants us to participate in the process of bringing many sons and daughters to glory. According to Mark 16, 15, go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. Again, Jesus commanded us to participate in the history of evangelization, the history of mission, the history of bringing many sons and daughters to glory, to divine to God's glory. And Acts 1.8, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Jesus said, you will, you shall be my witnesses to the ends of the earth. What are you doing in relation to this, these commands of our Lord Jesus Christ? Are you participating in the history of the expansion of God's kingdom? Are you participating in the process of fulfilling God's eternal vision, bringing many sons and daughters to glory? I think we need to consider Jesus' invitation. Yeah, we can call it Jesus' command, but also it, it is also an invitation. Jesus invites us to be disciples, to be his disciples and witnesses for the kingdom. 
Jesus invites us to participate in the process of completion of global mission. All of us can be witnesses of the gospel in every area of our life. Family, school, workplace, community, larger society, nation, and the globe. Wherever we are, whatever we do, we live for God's kingdom. We live as the witnesses and disciples of our Lord Jesus Christ. So in that sense, I want to give you an acronym, L-A-M. L-A-M. What does it mean? Life as mission. Life as mission. L-A-M. Recently, we have had another acronym, B-A-M. Anybody has heard B-A-M? BAM? Business as mission. That's good. We want to do business, our business as mission or for mission. But if we extend that acronym, that thought into our whole life situation, we have another acronym here, LAM, L-A-M, life as mission. Our life itself is mission. Our life itself is, is a mission field. Wherever we are, whatever we do, we exist as God's missionaries, God's missionaries, Jesus Christ's witnesses and his disciples. So I want to ask you uh, this question. Are you ready? Are you ready to respond to Jesus' invitation by saying, yes, I want to participate in the process, in the expansion of the kingdom, in the process of bringing many sons and daughters to glory. Are you ready to participate in the process of completion of global mission? Are you ready to participate in the completion of God's own eternal vision? This morning, I want to I'll tell you another story. You know, we are living under the COVID condition, COVID situation. How do we interpret? What would be the proper interpretation of the COVID-19 situation? For the past almost three years, we have been suffering under the pandemic condition. I'm convinced the end is coming. I'm convinced the end is coming. The COVID-19 is a clear sign of the Lord's second coming. He is ready to come. According to Luke 21, verse 11, there will be great earthquakes, famines, pestilences, in various places and fearful events 
and great signs from heaven. In 1910, we had the Spanish, Spanish flu. It was a kind of global, global pestilence, global pandemic, but COVID-19 is the first truly global pandemic. Jesus said, there will be great pestilences in various places right before his coming. What about Matthew 24, Matthew 24, verse 14? Jesus said this, And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all nations, and then the end will come. You know what? In the United Nations, we have about 200 and 220 nations. To these 200 nations, the gospel has been already preached. We have Christians in Saudi Arabia. We have Christians in Japan. Japan is the least evangelized country. But still in Japan, we have many Christians. Saudi Arabia, their state religion is Islam. But we have Christians, we have Jesus' disciples in Saudi Arabia. 220 nations, to all these nations, the gospel has already preached. And what does it mean when the Lord Jesus said here, this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all nations, and then the end will come. Here, the word nation in Greek is ethnos, E-T-H-N-O-S. Ethnos means not, it does not mean a political entity. It means an ethnic group. So according to recent statistics, we have 11,000 11, ethnic groups in the whole world. And these 11,000 ethnic groups use 7,000 languages. The Bible has been translated into about 4,000 languages out of 7,000 languages so far. According to Wycliffe Bible Translation Society and other Bible translation mission agencies, it will take probably about 10 years, 10 years to finish Bible translation in all the languages available. Brothers and sisters, wake up. Wake up. The Lord is coming. Then why is why is the news of the Lord's second coming a good news? Why is it? Why Jesus, Jesus the second coming is good news? Because the Lord's second coming is about the bridegroom's coming to have wedding feast with his brides. 
God's vision was what? His eternal vision was bringing many sons and daughters to his glory. In other words, God's eternal vision is bringing a collective bride to Jesus Christ, the eternal bridegroom. So what is the second coming about? The second coming of our Lord Jesus is about the bridegroom's coming and having wedding feast with his brides. So my question this morning is, are you real brides of Jesus Christ? Are you eagerly waiting for the Lord's, for your bridegroom's second coming? If not, we should reconsider our faith. Am I really a bride of the eternal bridegroom, the Lord Jesus Christ? So when we understand God's eternal vision, we can understand and interpret human history, historical events, including the pandemic. COVID-19. Now, I'm not a dispensationalist. I'm not a dispensationalist, which means I do not want to interpret every, each and every event of, you know, political history or secular history according to the prophecy of the Bible. I do not believe in that. But at least this much is absolutely certain. The gospel of the kingdom will be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all nations, all ethnic groups, and then the end will come. The Lord Jesus is fully ready to come again. Maranatha, Lord Jesus, come quickly. Amen to that? So the news of Jesus' second coming is good news. It's wonderful news, exciting news. We have been praying, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. When the Lord comes again, thy kingdom will truly come and thy will be truly done. Brothers and sisters, let us rethink about our vision and our mission in accordance with God's eternal vision. And also, the Lord will come soon. Let's be alert, be watchful, let's wake up, and let's have Jesus Christ. Let's have Jesus Christ as our bride, the spiritual bridegroom. Again. Amen? Let me pray. Dear Father, we thank you for your promises, and especially the Lord Jesus' own promises to come again to have wedding feast with each one of us. 
Lord Jesus, we are waiting for your coming eagerly. And please help us live a life of witness, a life of bride, a life of disciple. In accordance with your eternal vision, which is bringing many sons and daughters to your infinite glory. In the name of Jesus, amen.